Today, our guest is Kara Golden. Kara is a disruptor, builder, thought leader, and a successful entrepreneur. She's the founder and CEO of Hint, best known for its award-winning Hint Water and leading unsweetened flavored water. I talked to Kara about her new book, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. Undaunted will inspire you to move past your fears and defy the doubters. It doesn't matter whether you feel confident, it matters what you actually do. Enjoy the interview. Welcome to the Business Bookshelf Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Pepler. Like you, I'm a lifetime learner and find books one of the best ways to do this. The purpose of this podcast, then, is to interview authors of new business books, get insights into their thinking, lives, and businesses, all in a light, friendly manner. As I said in the introduction, I'm speaking to Kara Golden today. Here's a little more about Kara. She has been named one of the InStyle's Badass 50. I've never heard of that award, but I'm sure it's really important, a Badass 50. Fast Company's Most Creative People in Business, Fortune's Most Powerful Women Entrepreneurs, Fortune's Most Innovative Women in Food and Drink, and EY's Entrepreneur of the Year for Northern California. So quite a few awards. The Huffington Post listed her as one of the six disruptors in business alongside Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg. Today, we're talking to Kyrie about her new book, Undaunted, Overcoming Doubts and Doubters. Undaunted will inspire you to move past your fears and defy the doubters. It doesn't matter whether you feel confident, it matters what you actually do. So welcome to the podcast, Kara. (laughs) (laughs) So welcome to the podcast, Kara. And Kara, where am I speaking to you from today? I am in Marin County, just over the San Francisco, uh, the Golden Gate Bridge. Well, it's absolutely fantastic having you, Kara. And if I, one of my go-to questions at the moment is to you know, get the listeners to know the, the, the guest, is if I were to travel, which seems unlikely in COVID, and go to San Francisco, where would you take me to uh, if I was with you for a day? What would you go and take me to see in your part of the world? Well, it depends on how many days you had, um, but because I've done that tour many, many times, but I would say, obviously, you need to see the Golden Gate Bridge mm. and maybe even walk across the bridge um, if you have time to do that. But there's so, I, I think that the beauty of, of the Bay Area the Sa- in San Francisco is that there's all these little um the, the, vis- the visual is very different in lots of different parts. So on the one hand, in San Francisco, you have a city which is very, um, it has kind of the, um, you know, the, the windy streets that everyone's seen. And then it, it's, um, it's very vertical at points, but it also has a beach. Um, and, and then in uh, Marin County, where I live, um, there's a place called Mere Woods um, that is, uh, you know, a, a, a national um, park. So mm. it's, uh, so there's just, there's just so much. And then of course there's Napa and Sonoma, um, which people are shocked to hear that it's like an hour from San Francisco. It's nothing. So you can do a little wine tasting. Mm. Um, you know, there's no fires going on right now. So <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's a, it's a little nicer, um, situation. And then obviously, um, you know, it's not that you can see so much, but Silicon Valley is an hour south of San Francisco. So there's just like this vast, you know, 
like landscape for people to see, which is part of the reason why I love it here because it's mm-hmm. just, and, and I think also the thing I moved here from New York, I grew up in Arizona, but I moved here from New York um, in the mid nineties and where I sort of accidentally fell into a startup that was a spin out of Apple that was doing mm. CD-ROM shopping. Little did I know um, that I was, that I was, uh, you know, Work, I was working for an idea um, that was developed at Apple that was a Steve Jobs idea. Who would who would have thunk, right? That he, <laughs> you know, would sort of, I, I had admired him for creating um, the IMAX, which I had when I, you know, I remember when I was a senior in college, um, you know, the, the, uh, the school had bought a bunch of IMAX and I, I was just in love. Like, I just thought it's like game changing. They used to be giant rooms filled with computers. And now they were like, they were small, not as small as they are today, but they were beautiful, like a cute little apple on it, you know? And, and uh, so anyway, <laughs> I'd followed him for a few years, but one of the things I talk about in the book is, and that a lot of people have reached out to me about above and beyond, you know, stories that they relate to is that, history was being made during this time that I was working in and, and, you know, technology, nobody really knew. We knew that lots of, you know, really interesting things were going on, things that were kind of hard, including, you know, what does the internet look like? Mm. Who owns the rights um, to my husband is an intellectual property lawyer. And he was like focused on, um, you know, who owns the rights to, um, to a gap.com, you know, nobody mm. really knew what those things were because this was so new. And so anyway, it makes me think a lot about, you know, what's going on in 2020 and like what, um, you know, what will we come out of from 2020 with, you know, all these ideas being developed or potentially could be developed to sort of solve problems. Are there people thinking about these things now? Right. And, and cause I, I believe we're all kind of all over the world living differently. And, and so I'm, I'm actually very energized to kind of see where that goes, but, mm. but yeah, I, when I moved to San Francisco, I, I really, I felt like it was like no other place in the world. Uh, did I, I read somewhere that you packed books with Jeff Bezos or something like that in his warehouse? Um, I, did that happen? And can you tell us that story? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a crazy story. And um, I actually just wrote about it in my newsletter. And, mm. you know, there were stories that so my my book actually, uh, you know, as I, you and I mentioned before uh, we got on the phone, my book was um, was a uh, was a journal. I had been writing this journal for the last four years and, and it was about 600 pages. I never planned on turning it into a book, but what I found when I've been out speaking for the last few years about, you know, the building of Hint and being a female entrepreneur and all the stuff mm. that I've been speaking about, what I found was not only was the, there this overlying shadow of how, um, you know, I, I like must not have had any failures or doubts along the way. And I sort of joked, you know, like, you know, that's not me at all. I mean, here's some of my stories and I would bring these things up. Um, so that's why I started writing, but, um, but it was the, the journal was like 600 pages. And so <laughs> no one's going to read a book of like 600 <laughs> pages. Um, and so we, you know, narrowed it down to just over 200 pages primarily so that, people could get a taste of it and, you know, not to sort of wave a carrot, but, you know, there's other books that are definitely there, including 
um, one of the stories that was cut was uh, was with Jeff Bezos and my story there. So when I went, I worked for this little startup, as I started to mention, um, that was a spin out of, of Apple that was mm. doing CD-ROM shopping. And, uh, and so, you know, very early on where in a time when, um, when graphics were uh, not loaded, loading on the computer for most mm -hmm. people because speeds of, of the internet was very slow. And so, um, so Steve had come up with this idea, Steve and his team inside of Apple, that if they could throw all the graphics onto a disc that we'll just tell the consumer to load it in. They don't really need to know why they have to load it in. They just have to make sure to load it in. And so one of when these guys that worked at Apple and worked for Steve spun it out into a company, I knew that it was in the Bay Area. I had just moved to the Bay Area. And so I picked up the phone and said, <laughs> I think what you're doing is fascinating. And I would, I'm not really looking for a job right now. I was planning my wedding. And I said, I like, is there any way I could buy you coffee? And I'd love to come down and, and, and speak with you. They were in San Mateo, at, uh, which is like an hour south of San Francisco. So the person said, sure. Like what, you know, why not? And, um, and so that's when they, um, offered me a job and AOL, um, was an investor in their company. I kind of knew what AOL was, um, mm. but America online, um, but it was, um, you know, not actually, I, I thought that there were a lot of problems with it. There were companies that were kind of competing with it, including CompuServe and Prodigy and some others. And um, anyway, so I, I ended up, you know, kind of sharing that how I felt about it. And they still hired me um, at this company <laughs> to market. Um, but little did I know that six months later, AOL would acquire us. Right. And they, um, so they acquired us. And, um, and basically, mm. they said, will you run this button called shopping at AOL as part of the acquisition? And so I did, and um, and my job was essentially to go out to all these retailers. And so I was kind of building, I used to think of, I describe it to my family and friends as, they were like, what do you do with this company? I said, so I go out <laughs> to like, you know, J. Crew and The Gap and and like, you know, record stores. When you go shopping. <laughs> I go shopping. And so I, I love to shop and so, that for me was just gold, right? Mm -hmm. Like I, it was, it was so much fun. So I'm, you know, doing this whole, um, you know, business and building out kind of this online mall. And then what I realized is that we didn't have a book seller and a lot of people, we, it, we had a hole right in our marketplace. And so mm -hmm. we had gone to, um, to Barnes and Noble, a giant retailer. And then there were, used to be this other big retailer that was competing against Barnes and Noble called Borders Books. And we had reached out to both of them and they, um, and they declined, um, you know, that ultimately we couldn't get a deal done with them. So I had heard about this guy, um, Jeff Bezos. He had this little, you know, book seller up in Seattle. And I thought, you know, if nothing else, like, we could just go do it for now. And, and maybe that's what ultimately gets Barnes and Noble or Borders to move on mm. it, right? Like we thought of it as an interim step, sounds logical, right? And we thought if we can just get them to kind of, you know, move on this, then we'll, you know, that'll be great. 
And so that's when, um, you know, I reached out, he reached back out and we set up a meeting and I flew from San Francisco to Seattle. And there was another colleague of mine who came with me. We ran a car, we're driving around. It's at his warehouse uh, that we're going to meet at. And <laughs> so I'm driving, driving. It's 15 minutes past our meeting time of five o'clock. And I reach out to him and I said, I am so sorry. And blaming myself, right, for it. Yeah. I'm like, I am so sorry that this is happening, but I cannot find your warehouse. And he said, well, I, I actually can't meet with you. And I said, what do you mean you can't? Sorry, I'm going to. Um, I said, what do you mean you can't meet with me? And he said, um, well, you're 15 minutes late and I need to bo build bookshelves tonight. And I said, oh, well, so I don't know if you know this, but I just flew up from San Francisco <laughs> and, um, and I, I build bookshelves. Like I'm really great at bu building bookshelves. And he said, you build bookshelves. And I said, I do. But first of all, I cannot find your place. I'm, I've been circling. I can't find it. And so finally he said, you know, it's right in between these two things, whatever. So I get there and I see that there's no address on the building. Oh. And at like, and it was in this one, the, like the addresses were just, it was this crazy street where nothing was there. It was like by the airport. Anyway, it was nuts. And of course, like you've been there before where you can't find something and you're just mm. like hitting your head. Right. That was me that day. So we walk in and, and, um, and, you know, he's there and he said, hi. And I said, do you, did you know that you don't have an address on the outside of your building? And he said, oh, really? Oh, okay. And he said, so <laughs> you're going to, so you'll like build, but really you build bookshelves. And I was like, yeah, just, you know, give them to me. So he handed me, you know, this, that, I don't know if it was from Home Depot, but it was one of these, um, the, the poles that like stick together. There are these plastic poles. And he said, just start pushing them together. And so I'm like talking to him while I'm doing it. And, um, and we're building bookshelves and I'm talking to him about, you know, I'm, I'm also kind of, I mean, it's interesting. I think about this, this meeting a lot, particularly when I was writing the book, because mm. as I'm pushing these, you know, pieces together, um, I'm also trying to size them up because he was, you know, like, the size of my pinky, right? Like it was just a, a, in comparison <laughs> to other companies, I'm kind of thinking, you know, like, is this guy kind of, you know, he's not that friendly. He doesn't have an address on his building, right? There's a lot of reasons why I probably- he shouldn't be should, successful. I should be, lee I should be walking out and just say, sorry, I can't. I mean, AOL was bigger than he was, right? Like it was, mm -hmm. I was kind of like, you know, he's got a lot of, um, you know, arrogance and chutzpah and everything else. But I was like, regardless, I'm here. Why not? I'll just like continue this conversation. So as we're building the bookshelf, I said, so why do you think that you're going to be successful? And he said, what do you mean? Like, you know, we're, we're like doing blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, so, but you have two giant competitors that are duking it out right now that have so much more money than you. So and again, this was before he was doing anything but books. Yeah, he was yeah. just focused on books. And he said, do you ever go to a bookstore and ask the guy behind the counter what for a book recommendation based on something that you, you know, recently enjoyed reading? And I said, hmm, uh, probably. And he said, what, like, do you, 
it sounds like you're like on the fence. You don't really remember doing that. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I just never really feel maybe it's where I shop, but I never really feel like the person behind the counter generally, you know, knows exactly. Yeah, like, I've never done it before. I read or whatever. Mm. And he said, so that is the future of book buying. He said, it's search and recommendation. And so this was 1996. So we're in 2020 uh. right now. And so this is, you know, I mean, 24 years later, I think most people would say. He's, he's been right. quite successful. Right. He's been quite <laughs> successful. But, but I think what, what's fascinating about that story, though, mm. and I think it's one that also entrepreneurs pick up on, is that he obviously had the vision and he was way ahead. Right. Mm. And, and including me when I heard that and. Um, you know, I, I remember calling my husband when we were leaving the meeting and he had met him a few times. He was, my husband was a lawyer at this other tech company called Netscape. And I told him the story about couldn't find the building and whatever. And I said, you know, regardless of how rough he was like in, in, you know, and kind of dismissive or whatever, he's so smart. Like I, I remember uh. walking away and saying, and you know, when you walk away from something and you can't stop thinking about it, about search and about recommendations. And again, you know, this is before Google, this be, like, this is before like a lot of things that, that kind of came after that. And, you know, fast forward 24 years. I mean, you kind of see where Jeff sits. Right. And, yeah. and it's, um, and it's fascinating, but I think that that's, you know, that's a, that's just one of many stories that I've had along the way where it's, um, you know, it's it's kind of not only was I kind of living in that time in history, but again, when I was in it, I didn't know it. I just like I, I just sort of, you know, rode rode that wave. And now I can I always feel like, um, you know, one other thing that I talk about in the book is is uh, people have always said, um, you know, don't look back. And I've always been kind of bothered by that statement because I've thought, if you actually look back, you can learn a lot. That doesn't mean you hold on, right? But you, mm. but in the, but in the case of you know Jeff Bezos and that meeting, I that I didn't know what to do with that meeting that day, right? We ended up doing something with him, by the way, and ended up bringing on Amazon and a partnership with AOL, but. I think you learn, you're, you're able to kind of look back and think, and, and frankly, as an entrepreneur too, where I look back and, you know, feel like there's, um, when, when you have a vision that's ahead of things, right. Mm. And, and a little bit ahead and not everybody gets it. It doesn't mean you're wrong. Right. It uh. just, it means that the customer needs to catch up to, to where you're at. Yeah. Right. And so, that's what, and so that for me is, has always been, and also, you know, being able to learn from your failures is something else that, that I talk about. And obviously your failures aren't things that you can envision in the future. They're things that you have in the past. So, so that's a lot of, you know, there's stuff that I talk about in the book that I think is not, it's not just for female entrepreneurs. It's not even just for entrepreneurs, but we, I've had, you know, many people, um, including, you know, some of the people on my blurbs that read the book, everybody from a Jamie Dimon to Sheryl Sandberg to, a, you know, John Legend, 
um, all different industries, all different wow. kinds. Yeah. Who have said, you know, what you're talking about is not just entrepreneurs, right? It's, uh, it's also things that are, are kind of bigger ideas. And so one of the reasons why I think it, it just got one of the, on the Wall Street Journal bestsellers list as a first time author mm. is that they're like this, you know, this is stuff that I need to hear in order to help me move forward just in life. And particularly coming off of 2020, I think a lot of people are sort of in this situation where, you know, maybe you lost your job or you're furloughed, or maybe you're trying to figure out, do you, do you actually still want to stay in the same city? Do you want to, you know, do you not want to live on Zoom and a company that's not, you know, that has discontinued having physical <laughs> space. Like, you know, there's a lot of different things that I think this book is sort of triggering for people, um, you know, to know that, that, you know, there's stuff that happens in history too, that is, um, that kind of is hard, right? But it ultimately is game changing and kind of helps you to, to move forward in some way. And I think that there's, while I didn't plan on launching this book during a pandemic, I think most people are saying that there is no better time for this message um, mm. to be out there. Wow, Kyra, this is amazing because I actually haven't really mentioned your book yet. <laughs> I mentioned it in the introduction. But I just yeah. want to go back and just say congratulations on the book, Undaunted. And you mentioned it uh, briefly that you um, became a bestseller. And that happened this week, last week, end of last week, end of beginning of um, this week. And yeah, a couple of weeks, couple of weeks ago. Yeah. A couple of weeks ago. Unbelievable achievement. So fantastic. Well, well done. You. And you've answered like three of my questions that I was going to ask you in that, in that story that you took about. I'm going to ask you anyway. Um, uh, the Undaunted, does that relate to your forming of Hint as well? And maybe you could tell us a bit about that because, and how Undaunted related to that. Because, you, you know, as far as I, I was reading that, you know, you you gave up AOL and your, your career because you were too busy. And then you found Hint because you wanted something healthier to drink almost. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you formed Hint. But can you tell us about that and the role of persistence and courage and showing up in the in the forming of hint that you talk about in your book? Yeah, for sure. Well, as you can imagine, um, so I was at AOL and I mm. and was there building out this e-commerce and shopping. And Jeff Bezos' story was just one of of many really wow. fun things along mm. the way. And and um, and I think that the thing that I realized um, just in that and really what I enjoyed doing was just like, you know, you never knew what was going to come, right? I didn't go to Seattle to sort of, I, I went to Seattle to go have a, a meeting with a guy that's like running a small bookstore. And then you look at, you know, sort of what's been accomplished and you're like, holy mm. smokes, right? And you think <laughs> back on, you know, those memories, or whatever. So I feel very fortunate that I've been able to kind of you know, not only meet people along the way, but have like a lot of lessons um, along the way too. And, and um, so again, like I've, you know, shared those with my, you know, family and friends, and then also, uh, also with, um, with entrepreneurs and people that I've mentored, and I do a lot of writing about this stuff. Um, and basically, it, you know, as I said, so many people, I think have just, have viewed a lot of these experiences as um, really the fact that I 
have never doubted myself. And so, mm. you know, after I left AOL, I decided to take um, some time off. I didn't know how much time, um, but I just, I had three children under the age of four and I was traveling a ton and, you know, very supportive husband who was also working like crazy. Um, but, and we had help um, as well, but I just felt like life was just kind of moving by too fast. And there was, there was like a lot of stuff going on in San Francisco. I was generally on the plane, the United Airlines pilots all knew me by my first name. Every time <laughs> I got on San Francisco, I'm like, this is not normal. And it doesn't have to be this way. And so once it was a billion dollars in revenue to AOL, I was like, I don't know, maybe I should just go and do something more local, which was a big decision, um, you know, to kind of get off the train and, and go and, try and figure out. And then everybody's asking me the minute that I, you know, resigned, everybody's asking me like, what are you going to do next? You should come and talk to us. And, and I felt like, I think the, th the thing that really kind of, um, you know, complicated issues when I, when I was sort of trying to figure out what I wanted to do next first, I, I didn't know how long I wanted to stay out of work. It was kind of mm -hmm. like, if the right thing came along, I was going to jump on it. But every time I was interviewing for different roles, people would say to me, like, come and build what you built at AOL. And um, that just would do be it a lot of work. It would be a lot of work, but I also felt like it was like, why would I go and do something better than what I had built? Like I, I was just like, that's, it's just a very complicated, it's like, go smash your sandcastle and right. Like, it's like, <laughs> go smash your sandcastle and go build me a better one. And mm. I, and so then I really started thinking about maybe in order to, you know, save what I've built maybe I just go into a different industry and go do something totally different. But that's wow. as far as I had gotten, right? That's like amazingly I brave. It is, I guess it's brave, but it's also sort of goes to, you know, another thing that I talk about in the book that I've, you know, recognized and something I always encourage people to think about is that I think as humans, we all always want to be learning, right? Mm. Sometimes things are very, very hard and you know we get frustrated along the way, but when you finally figure something out and something really clicks, it's a very exciting thing at every single level. And so that's kind of you know I was the youngest VP at at um, at AOL, and you know one of the few female vice presidents as well. And so I felt like you know I was like at the top of the heap, and I just wasn't really that excited about it because I, my job was kind of to just tell people you go do this, you go do this versus actually still learning. And so I think that I was going through this kind of thinking process of like, you know, what do I want to do when I grow up? And why am I suddenly, <laughs> everybody views me as a tech executive, which like never really meant to be. And I was successful at it, but why can't I go do other, other things? Like, why mm. am I pigeonholed in, in this spot? So that's when I was still in the thinking process and interviewing process. And that's when I decided, okay, well, another thing that I'm going to do while I'm off and, you know, I've got my young kids and I'm doing my mommy and me classes and, you know, really enjoying like hanging out at home and being with my family. But while I was doing that, I thought maybe I'll actually like get in shape. And mm. a lot of people do that when you, you know, you're like, I'm going to eat better. I'm going to, you know, do all kinds of things to get healthier. And 
the, the thing that I was really trying to solve for was I had developed terrible adult acne that I didn't even have as a teenager, like mm. cystic stuff on my face that was crazy. And then my energy levels had decreased dramatically since college. And then, um, and, and I had gained a bunch of weight over the course of having three kids. Mm. And so I thought like, okay, now that I'm eating healthy and I'm working out more frequently and I'm not traveling as much and I'm able to sleep and all those kind of things, shouldn't that just like go away? And mm. I realized how hard it was. Like it was really hard to like, you know, get these things to, um, you know, be in, in check. And mm. so one day I had been reading labels for my food. And one day I was looking down at my diet soda can, Diet Coke in particular, which I had been drinking a ton of. And I, I, you know, didn't even plan on doing this, but I started seeing, I saw the label and I started looking at the label, you know, how you sort of daydream and I'm looking at it and I thought, oh, that's really interesting how this is called diet. And then there's all these ingredients that I, that I <laughs> wouldn't eat. That you can't pronounce. But I would, yeah, but I would drink them. <laughs> Mm. And, and, you know, this is, as I was saying in an interview yesterday, I, I think I cared more about what I was putting in my car than I actually cared about what I was putting in my body. Mm. And yet I had these rules for food, but I didn't have the rules for drinks. And so at that point I was like, um, maybe I should just put it to the side for now and, um, and, and see like what will happen if I just kind of, you know, not drink it. I didn't really think that this is what was going to occur, but I put, um, I swapped it out for plain water. And then I started asking myself, like, why do I think that I wasn't drinking water? Like I knew I was supposed to drink more water, but I just wasn't. And then I was making, you know, kind of excuses for the fact that diet Coke is make, made up of liquid. It all starts with water, but, but I just, you know, wasn't really kind of thinking about, how the rest of it was in there too and was was kind of you know not so great so anyway two and a half weeks later i lost 24 pounds um i my acne cleared up my yeah. um my energy levels um were great and that's when i you know really recognized i mean 24 pounds in two and a half weeks it's pretty significant and so i i think it was it was enough to kind of wake me up and say wow, I mean, this is, this is pretty crazy what's, what's occurred. And about a year later, I had lost my goal, which was 55 pounds. And that's when I started looking in stores. I had been um, putting, slicing up fruit and throwing it in the water in order to enjoy it. And so then I went in to um, my local store and I started looking for this product that was a, you know, hint product that was um, you know, just fruit and water and, um, everything had sweeteners in it. And so I thought just while I'm looking for this perfect job, probably in tech, why don't I just, um, go ahead and, and, you know, try and get a product on the shelf. And mm -hmm. so I did, but as I was like, you know, trying to figure out the language, like things around like the caps, for example, I would call up places and say, or, at this point, Google, you know, caps and they're not called caps they're called closures. So if you don't know the wow. language, right? Like, like little things like that along the way were fascinating to me and educational to me, but also kind of daunting, right? Like I yeah. just thought, I, I just thought I know nothing about this industry. There's just so much that nobody talks about. And then I kept looking for, you know, 
the perfect person, right? That would give me all the answers. And, and I kept thinking that I, I've got to find people who have experience in this industry. And, you know, most of these people wouldn't talk to me because I didn't have experience, right? They're like, I'm not going to spend time with this lady, <laughs> yeah. right? Educating her. Why would I do that? Mm. And so that's really when, um, you know, I just decided, well, I'll just keep trying. I mean, I'll figure out, it may take me longer, but I'm smart. I'll figure it out. And that's when I took it, you know, to Whole Foods and another story in the book where- Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and that's how it started. And fast forward, I mean, today we're the largest independent non-alcoholic beverage in the country that doesn't have a relationship with Coke, Pepsi, or Dr. Pepper or Snapple. And- um, you got hundreds of employees. We, yeah, 200, 200 employees. <sighs> Unbelievable. And, um, and John yeah. Legend invested money in it. So you mentioned John Legend, but you've actually, you have board meetings with John Legend. I don't know. <laughs> he's not, no, he's not on our board. Um, yeah, yeah it, you know, he, we were, we were in, uh, we were in a uh, location, a Starbucks location, um, mm. and he saw it in Starbucks and he picked it up. I mean, it's another thing that I, share with entrepreneurs all the time. We always have a way for, uh, for people, you know, fans, customers to get a hold of you. Mm. And so, um, that was like the, that was something that I learned that, um, you know, John picked up the phone at the time we had an 800 number, or we still have an 800 number on the, on the bottle and he picked it up and, he called to sort of see if like one of the big soda companies was like behind this. And, you know, we didn't have, we had like four people working at the company. And so I happened to pick up the phone and, wow. and you have to remember, I mean, he's been <laughs> for over 10 years. I mean, John, 10 years ago, there was no Chrissy. Like he was, you know, super smart guy that worked at Bain, you know, for like, who loved music and, you know, and, and, but he wasn't. No way. Did he work at Bain? Yeah. Oh yeah, you don't know his story. His it's pretty fascinating. He's wow. incredibly smart, and um, and but he, you know, it's I think one thing that he said after said after reading the book too. It's like you know he came from a different industry. He wasn't like sitting there. He was playing and and singing since he was you know definitely a little kid. But he didn't. He went to UPenn. He you know, he, he didn't think he was going to go be a mu musician, but oh. when he, when he did a few other things, then what he realized was that he thought differently about music and about writing and, you know, but it was hard. I mean, people, you know, nobody thought he was going to be successful and, you know, and so when he read this book, um, he reached out right away and he said, you know, there's so many, I, I mean, again, he's been an investor for 10 years in the company, sure. but he said, there's so many aspects of this. This is not just about starting a beverage company. This is about, you know, like finding what you really want to do. And even if it's not, you know, popular or if you have doubters around you or whatever. So, um, so yeah, I think it's, it's a, you know, He's, he's awesome on a lot of levels. And, and I think it's, uh, we feel really fortunate to have him involved in the company. Mm, that's amazing. And Cara, just one small other thing. You've had your picture with Undaunted uh, in Times Square uh, on the billboards there. How did you arrange that? Did you, did you pay yeah, for that? Or how, did you get it, how did you get it done? Well, 
we've gotten to know NASDAQ over, um, you know, the years and, uh, they own that board in particular. And so, wow. um, when they knew that I was launching a book, they reached out and they said, um, could we actually put your book up there? And I, I gave a talk actually that day, um, that it was up there as well. So they're, they're awesome. I mean, they're NASDAQ, the, the whole crew at NASDAQ is really, is really super great. So yeah, so it was very exciting. But so the, the last thing about your, I mean, your story, I could talk to you for, for days, but people must have thought you were crazy to start hence, surely. But then did you, did you have, did you like put the persistence in place and the, you know, the showing up and the risks? Because I would love to talk to you about risk management and your risk taking process, but there's so much stuff I would like to talk to you about. Is, did you put all of the things that you speak about in your book into place there when you were you know, launching Hint and getting it going and overcoming the, the doubters in your life? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, understand when I was starting this, again, I, you know, hadn't had experience in the industry, um, but I very quickly, not just John, um, but others, like customers were, you know, thanking me from day mm. one for like developing a product. And, and so one thing that I have been saying in so many interviews that I've really grown to realize is that like having a product or a service where a customer is actually giving you feedback when there are a lot of doubters around you and you're having your own doubts, mm. you naturally go back and say like, you know, gosh, well, you know, Joe Smith, who live, who doesn't know who I am, is thanking me for this product. And it wasn't just one, it was like on a daily basis. Still to this day, we get those comments. And so wow. the, the power of, you know, consumers, right, actually thanking you for helping them actually drink water or, you know, enjoy a beverage that doesn't have sweeteners in it, like, you know, is just incredibly powerful. And, and so I think when you're thinking about risk, um, you know, that actually cools the risk in your mind, right? Because mm. you, you know that you're doing something right. And mm. I think it's like, whenever you can put yourself into a situation where you can have that feedback, right? And, and I think it's, it's um, I've never been a big believer at AOL, I used to spend lots of money on focus groups, and I'm not keen on focus groups in general, um, because I just don't really believe that it's, it's kind of, it's if you if it's a possible for you to actually launch a product for not very much money, um, you know, then you should go do that to actually see what the consumer will respond to, and mm. because and actually have some sort of feedback loop where they can give you feedback like what what we did because I think it's even more powerful and people aren't being kind of set in a room to sort of make decisions they they either write to you or call you or, or they don't. And I think it's a, it's a really, really, you know, important point that a lot of people have, have picked up on. But the other thing that I think is interesting and, and uh, thought a lot about this over the years is that, um, you know, I always felt that I was launching this product and people were asking me to come and work at Google or, or do other things. And, and, I, I always viewed it as like, you know, I'm marketable, right? Like I can go uh, and do something You could do something else. else if it didn't work out. Right? If it didn't work. And it would just make me <laughs> like, and people would hear my story. And it's like people would, 
people would be in the tech industry and I would say, oh yeah, I'm going to go do this beverage. And they'd say, oh my gosh, you're so courageous. You're See so you in this, six months this. time. <laughs> right. And that, and that was like kind of what they were saying to me, frankly, like, yeah, we'll see. Oh, okay. You know, that's crazy. <laughs> and now, you know, they say, I remember when you came down to visit me. And those are the best emails too. When, the, you know, mm. when they actually own the fact that they thought I was, you know, going to fail. Right. Wow. And now they're, now they're sitting here or they were, they like didn't invest in us because they were like, oh, why would I do that? You know, that's, that, that's crazy. Um, and anyway, I, I think it's, um, you know, I, I think that people need to recognize that if you actually think about yourself as like what you've actually accomplished to date can't be taken away from you. Mm, fantastic. Now, you know, to continue your success, you've got a podcast as well, The Cara Golden Show. And you've interviewed all sorts of people, including Sarah Dusik, who talks about South Africa, which I like being from yes. South Africa. <laughs> yeah, but Sarah's awesome. How did you, why did, you've got so much going on. How, why did you decide to do a podcast as well? Well, the podcast has been going now for three years. In fact, we just ah, okay. um, recorded our hundredth episode. Oh, congratulations. And, um, yeah, and Sarah was actually part of um, the EY uh, Winning Women program that mm. I was a part of in in 2012, and um, I and uh, I, I love EY. I've been I was part of this uh, Winning Women program, which is um, kind of sort of younger and earlier stage entrepreneurs, um, and then I went on to. Um, to win the Bay Area's Entrepreneur of the Year yeah. um, award for EY. But Sarah, I had met her and actually I was fascinated by her company, which were these glamping tents. And I went, she invited me and a group of other women from the program to go to South Dakota. And, and I had never, I've been all over the U.S., all over the world, but I mean, all over the U.S., <laughs> all kinds of places. And I had never been to South Dakota to Mount Rushmore and the Badlands. And it was sort of on my bucket list. Like I've, I've been to most national parks in, mm. in, um, in North America. Um, and anyway, I just, I, I sort of took her up on the opportunity because it was a little bit of a, wasn't an A-list bucket list at the time, but it was... Um, it was lower, but it was, it was, uh, this amazing thing that she's built. And she's actually, she sold the company to, I think Vail resorts. I don't know if, um, you caught that in the podcast, but, mm. um, pretty amazing. And, and she's living part-time, I think in, in, uh, Montana and then also South Africa. I think she's in Cape town. Mm. Um, so where, where she was, she's, she's amazing. And she's doing, um, kind of a, uh, a, an accelerator program for entrepreneurs, um, kind of a combination of investing in female entrepreneurs, early stage angel, um, which, uh, you know, hopefully she's going to get, get that going in, in South Africa, um, a little more than it has been going. And then also, um, you know, really kind of bringing operating experience to, um, companies to kind of kickstart them as well. So almost, you know, an incubator sort of style where there's a lot more of those in the US um, mm -hmm. right now than I, I think there, there are in South Africa. So yeah, so anyway, it was, it was, a, lot of, <laughs> it was a lot of fun interviewing her and she's super smart. 
Well, I, I subscribe to your podcast and I listen to it. So maybe for only the last five, not, I need to go back to the, the first 95 and, and have a look at those. Um, yeah. <laughs> Kara, I've took, taken too much of your time and I really appreciate you. I mean, you've been on Christopher Lockhart, you've been on Zig Ziglar, you've been on all these huge big podcasts. So I really appreciate you taking the time to be on mine. And I've really, I hope, you know, people who've listened to it find it fascinating as well as I have and really appreciate you. Uh, spending time with us today. Thank you so much. And yeah, it's a, it, the book is also available on Audible um, mm. worldwide. So, um, and it's called Undaunted Overcoming yeah. Doubts yeah. and Doubters. And um, thanks so much. Yeah, so the, yeah, Undaunted. And um, so I'll have all the details in the show notes. Uh, we, I didn't even get onto your website or talk about that, which I'll have the link in the show notes. Um, I'll have the link to your company. All those type of things. So people who are listening to this need to explore it for themselves. They need to listen to your podcast. So I hope you, the listener, have found this as interesting and useful as I did. If you'd like to contact me, then please do. And so my email is lance at ideastorm.co.za and the website is www.ideastorm.co.za. So thank you, Kyra. And until next time, goodbye. Stay safe, everybody. And until next time, bye-bye. Bye, Kyra. Bye-bye.